welcome to another episode of Podcasts on Partnership. I'm Blake Cohn, the Executive Director of the National Network of Schools in Partnership. And today you're going to join me in a conversation with Wendy Salmon, the Executive Director of Middle Grades Partnership in Baltimore, Maryland, and Jay Parker, the Director at Calvert School's Institute for Leadership and Purpose. In the next hour, Wendy and Jay are going to discuss with me the process in which they have developed a citywide collaboration which cultivates leadership skills in middle school students across Baltimore. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Enjoy, and we'll talk to you soon. So I am really excited today to have Wendy Samet and Jay Parker here to talk um, about uh, the the programs that they are developing in the city of Baltimore. Wendy is the executive director of Middle Grades Partnership, and Jay is the director of the Institute for Leadership and Purpose at Calvert School, which is a K-8 school. Is it pre-K-8 or K-8? Pre-K-8. Pre-K-8, sorry, I don't want to leave those little ones out, school in Baltimore. So Wendy and Jay, thank you so much for being here. I am thrilled to have this opportunity to talk to both of you about this, um, about the development you have brewing this weekend. Thanks, we're glad to be here. Thank you, Blake, we're Uh, excited. So Wendy, I'm going to start with you. Can you tell me a little bit about um, how you ended up at middle grades? And also, since you've been there, I've witnessed a, a shift in, in the program um, to be more authentic partnerships and um, how that has happened. And, and just tell us a little bit about that history. Um, sure. Personally, I came at this from perhaps the most unlikely possible um, route. I'm actually a painting conservator by training. I moved to Baltimore for a Mellon postgraduate fellowship in painting conservation at the Walters. Um, and two years later, went back to be a, a associate professor uh, where I had gone to graduate school at the Wintertour Museum in Delaware and uh, commuted for nine years. During that time, I, um, I had uh, two kids. And I live in a wonderful inner city neighborhood of Baltimore. And when my oldest turned four, we hit the, oh my God, what are we gonna do next year about school? Um, our local public school is now a wonderful school, Mount Royal Elementary Middle, and actually an MGP, Middle Grades Partnership um, partner school. But at the time, it was not terrific. In fact, there were 31 kids in the kindergarten with one teacher and no aid, and that didn't seem possible. I really didn't want to move to the suburbs. I love my diverse in every way neighborhood. Uh, really believe in public education and wanted my kids to go to school in a, uh, in a diverse environment that was also academically challenging and had a lot of enrichment. And um, one day as a few of the mothers going through this, um, you know, what are we going to do next year? My husband said, well, we should just start our own school. And I said to him, you're insane. I restore paintings, you're a lawyer. We don't know anything about schools. And like a made-for-TV movie, the next day there was a request for proposals in the paper 
for nonprofits to take over existing failing public schools or start what they call new schools. Now, this was October of 1996. Um, there was no charter legislation in Maryland, um, but the school system was, um, was offering this opportunity, frankly, a little bit against their will. And so we, the, the three other mothers and I put up signs. We had a meeting at the local church. I assumed that everyone just wanted to either move out of the neighborhood or they had plenty of money to send their kids to private school and it wasn't a big issue for them. But at that meeting, I learned that people really had struggled with this. Um, there were teachers there, there were people in their 60s and 70s, there were people who were turned out were about five minutes pregnant there and tremendous interest. And we met around the round dining room table a few nights later and um, set out what would become Midtown Academy, which was a school that uh, later became a charter school, but that brought together my lovely upper middle class diverse neighborhood of Bolton Hill and what was then sort of the ghetto across North Avenue um, called Reservoir Hill. And we started a school and a lot of the idea was that we wanted to bring together the haves and the have nots. We wanted to cross racial boundaries. Everyone had to commit to 75 hours of volunteer time to the school. You couldn't buy your way out if you were middle class. And uh, that's where my kids went K to eight. And it was a transformative experience um, in my life. That led me to being asked to run a foundation, the Goldsmith Family Foundation that um, that gave a million dollars a year to public education related causes in Baltimore City and um, and Middle Grades Partnership was one of my grantees and one that I loved. So I applied um, and very happily got the job in 2013. That's, I didn't know that story at all. That is fantastic. <laughs> learn something new. Yes. It's like my third time hearing Wendy tell that story, Blake, and it gets better every time, mostly because I have an entrepreneurial spirit myself, but never have I said to myself, you know what we should do is start a school. <laughs> well, you know what's interesting, Wendy, is that when I moved, we moved from North Carolina to I live outside of DC in the suburbs mm -hmm. and in North Carolina, which you wouldn't think was terribly an international community, but we lived in Chapel Hill. So it was, um, you know, a university town and we had, um, bilingual schools everywhere. And so uh, my, my son went to this bilingual preschool. So his first word was avion mm -hmm. in Spanish. It was not an English word. And, um, and so we moved to North, we moved up here from North Carolina. There were no bilingual schools anywhere. I could not believe it. So my friend and I, we found ourselves complaining about this all the time at the, at the playground. And we started a bilingual preschool because we were like, it's so ridiculous to sit around and complain about this. We should just do it. It was not a K-8 school. We had 20 students, um, but we ran it for like five years. And then we sort of grew out of it and our county made it impossible to keep it going. But it, I, I love it. So Jay, <laughs> when are you starting a school? <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
I'm really inspired to share the school that I'm starting right now with you all. Well, you are. <laughs> and the, and, and the 600,000 listeners to this podcast. Is that what the number's up to now, Blake? Oh, most certainly, yes. Yeah, yeah. Donations um, are being accepted for Jay's new school here. Well, actually, um, so this is where I talk a little bit about myself. Oh yeah, I would. Well, I was I was letting this go, but yes. Will you please okay. share with us how you? Yeah. Um, well, you have started your own. I mean, you are. Don't sell yourself short. Um, this institute is really amazing. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up at Calvert and um, and how the Institute for Leadership and Purpose has come about. Well, it's funny, Blake, that. Um, you know, I recently heard this term entrepreneur and um, I really love it because I find myself, I went to a very traditional independent school in Washington, DC, St. Albans School. And I've worked at very traditional schools, Boys Latin School, which is an MGP program and now at Calvert School. And I find myself like with my entrepreneurial spirit, spirit wanting to start meaningful programs and I think that idea of entrepreneurship really resonates with me because um, this idea of public-private partnership and leadership development and every kid having an opportunity regardless of school like, is, is an amazing idea and um, all schools can benefit from it. For me, I, I grew up um, with such an amazing supportive community around me but I also battled depression and ADHD. And, um, and I kind of feel like as, as the idea of a leader for me, I was, I was underestimated as a leader. No one really you know, threw that, that word around me. And um, so that's something that sits with me a little bit. And it's part of why I love the idea of leadership. And ultimately, um, you know, I did not envision my path being one that went into education. Um, but it's something that's happened. And I'm really proud of that. My gateway to education, as you both know, is that I have a passion for the outdoors that opened up when I was um, in my late teens. When I was personally really trying to find myself and figure out like, what do I want to do with my life? And uh, it turns out long walks on the Appalachian Trail really help you think about <laughs> what is it that you want to do with your life? and all the strange characters and wonderful characters you meet on the Appalachian Trail who all have trail names. And then, you know, you know, you don't know, you don't know who you're talking to. It could be anyone. And that's just an amazing experience. And so my background in education is um, in outdoor education. And that inspired me to, to start my own summer program, Mountain Element, where I take kids from across Baltimore into the wilderness each summer. And before that, um, my real deep, first deep dive into leadership was with the National Outdoor Leadership School. And I went on a semester course in 2003 in Alaska. I actually met my wife on my semester course. I didn't know that. And we fell in love after not showering for a month straight. <laughs> That's love. <laughs> Isn't that love right there? And, um, and, then I, and then I found myself, you know, with an opportunity to be a classroom teacher, which I loved. But I also knew like how powerful experiential learning is to developing leaders. And so I kept asking myself, you know, how can I take the leadership development that happens in outdoor education and embed that into an independent school experience? 
And out of that, here at Calvert, that's really blossomed over the past nine years. And the direction that's, that's come is, is that, you know, Calvert is a very urban school. We're about two blocks from Johns Hopkins University. We are the most urban school in the MGP, uh, of the independent schools in MGP. And um, the idea of teaching leadership to students in Baltimore is not authentic unless you invite the city of Baltimore into that process. And if you also invite students from other schools into that process. So that's really been the exciting um, challenge and opportunity for us, Blake, is, is Calvert's been a middle grades partnership school for many years, and it's a wonderful part of our program. So the opportunity to collaborate with Wendy and the MGP network of schools for leadership development was just a really great opportunity. We couldn't pass up. So my, my perception is that over that historically MGP, which for everyone listening is middle grades partnership. We don't have to keep saying it's like NNSP. We don't have to say the whole thing all the time. Um, MGP historically was a, a program for inner city school or city schools, uh, public schools to use facilities and be out at independent schools in the summer. But that has transformed over the last number of years to have um, what, what in, in NNSP's view is a more authentic partnership component. And so how, am I right in that perception? And if I'm not, please correct me. And if, if so, how, how did that happen? And then how does that fall in line with what Jay's talking about and this leadership summit, which you are all hosting tomorrow, which is the culminating event that we're trying to talk about today? Um, I think you're mostly right. So middle grades partnership was really the brainchild of Tom Wilcox, who was the former president and CEO of the Baltimore Community Foundation. He had been head of the Concord Academy uh, in Massachusetts, and they had a summer bridge program that I think is probably pretty similar to what a lot of independent schools do. Yeah. They bring city kids in for the summer. Part of it was for academic enrichment, and part of it was to see who might be a good candidate for the school. And he wanted to take a different approach that, uh, and he did this in consultation with a lot of other people. Um, uh, he, but the, the group decided that a more authentic partnership would be worthwhile. They decided that the lever should be middle school. They decided that the lever should be addressing summer learning loss, which I hope everyone knows uh, several grades in can account for years behind um, for city school students who don't have anything else to do in the summer. The idea was that they would, rather than just city kids going to the independent schools, that it would be more of a partnership. So that idea of an authentic partnership was always part of middle grades partnership that thus the name um, and the way it worked which i think is brilliant is that the head of we would partner one independent school with one public school occasionally for various reasons more than one public school was part of it and that never worked so 
um, we now really restrict it to one-on-one. -on -one. That head of school appoints a director, the principal of the, in the partnership appoints a director, and we say, and those directors are generally teachers, sometimes administrators, um, and we say to them, we want you to create a summer program that keep that where you're targeting public school students who are in the middle academically. They're not the superstars, although we get a few of those. They're not the kids that are most at risk, although we get a few of those. They're really kids in the middle with untapped academic and leadership potential and that everyone else just overlooks. Um, so we asked the director from the public school originally to recruit those kids and this part has remained the same. We say to them, we want you to keep them for three years and at the end of three years, we want those students to be able to write a five paragraph essay be ready for high school algebra, be reading above grade level, definitely able to cite from text and hopefully um, reading for pleasure. And then as a final measure, we want those students to get into the top academic criteria high schools in Baltimore City, public high schools. In Baltimore, while there are no longer any zoned neighborhood high schools, there used to be, but there are a few schools that are really the top academic schools that you would have to have certain grades and attendance and test scores that are folded into a composite score to get into. And those are Baltimore City College, Baltimore Polytechnic Institute, Western High School, which is an all-girls high school, and um, Dunbar, Paul Lawrence Dunbar High School, and uh, Mergenthaler Votech, uh, which also has a strong academic component. So the measure was, could we get these students into those schools by providing the summer learning? And originally there was a school year component that was mostly tutoring, but um, it never really went very, very far. By the time I came on board in 2000. 13. The school year program really was almost non-existent. Uh, you know, 2008 and the recession had happened. Um, we didn't have as much money as we used to have. And, you know, it had sort of just become, well, maybe we'll have our public school partner come to our school play and middle grades partnership will pay for the tickets and the bus ride, which is lovely, but sort of didn't seem worth the amount of money that was being spent on it. So I did a lot of looking at what real partnership meant. And it is true that the directors recruited these kids. We had great attendance. Um, they hired the teachers from both of their schools. So in that sense, it was an authentic partnership. But I really, in looking at it, felt that if you were not engaging the students from both schools, then both schools didn't really have skin in the game. And that we were losing out on, you know, a real potential opportunity in a city that is as siloed by race and class and opportunity as Baltimore, we would really be missing out on, a, on an opportunity 
to try and address some of those issues. Now you asked where we made assumptions that were wrong. So I'm going to tell you one of my big assumptions. I assumed that our public and private school students were in such different places academically that we couldn't possibly bring them together during the summer when we were doing largely academic work. That I'll just, you know, that turned out to be wrong. But in that assumption, I thought we should have a school year program that does, works on, you know, all tough social emotional learning. You know, let's talk about growth mindset. Let's talk about grit. Let's talk about perseverance. Let's take advantage of middle schoolers' innate sense of justice yeah. and sort of wakening up to the world, which is part of what I love about middle schoolers and um, bring them together during the school year and maybe we'll do some service learning projects together. And so I asked my directors, do you think you can do this during the school year? And they were wonderful. I didn't give them much um, training or, or lead time and they stepped up. Some of them did brilliant jobs. Some of them could have used more support or frankly, during the school year, our teachers all have full-time jobs or our directors all have other full-time jobs. But it was, so we've been trying to search out what we can do to strengthen the, the school year program um, ever since. But what it did lead to was creating such strong um, relationships amongst the students and because our summer program is really, I can tune our horn, such high quality that middle class and upper middle class families started asking if they could be part of MGP. And whereas we'd always had a few students, mostly as mentors from the independent schools be part of MGP, we didn't have, you know, students really learning side by side, which we do now. Great. So, um, so that's led to a, a whole different approach. And I'll, I'll just stop it there and let Jay talk. <laughs> well, okay. So I'll, I'll turn to Jay. So Jay, with this sort of, and how, how many years have you been at Calvert? This is my ninth year at Calvert. So you've, you've witnessed a lot of this, this transformation of, of this relationship. And how did that, how, how did that help shape your vision for this youth summit and tell me a little bit about first off it's tomorrow which by the way i don't think this will be published by tomorrow so it <laughs> happened a couple of weeks ago theoretically when we were listening to this but it um it is on it's tomorrow tomorrow right april 27th yep um, it's tomorrow april 27th That's okay great. so tell me tell me your thought process how did you get how did you get to the day before this youth summit <laughs> well, I think that the one thing that um, I think all three of us share is the idea of collaboration. It's obviously embedded into the mission of Middle Grades Partnership and the National Network of Schools in Partnership. And the word partnership is in both of your titles. So, so it's, it's pretty important. Um, you know, and for us at, at Calvert, um, that idea of collaboration is key because we are a school that is focused on those grades. Like we end at eighth grade. So we're sending off our eighth graders to Baltimore city schools 
um, public and private, all of which are um, schools that are, that are, the other independent schools in MGP are all K to 12 schools. And a lot of our students uh, matriculate to those schools. So the idea of collaboration is built into what we do. We have positive relationships with all of these schools, but the idea of bringing that together in a leadership program for public school students and private school students really is, is something that both of you have inspired um, in my work at Calvert and also something that's been inspired by just the incredible parents that we have at Calvert. Um, you know, Baltimore is, is a medium sized city and we have a lot of, we have a critical mass of independent schools that are doing incredible work in the city, but we could all be doing a better job doing that work together. And Calvert and MGP working side by side makes a lot of sense. Um, and, um, you know, the, the, the parents, I'll be honest with you, the parents are the ones that inspire me because the parents who, of students at Calvert are a lot of the people in Baltimore doing the incredible work. That's what always co I come back to is that there's no better leadership lab out there than Baltimore. And so how can we meaningfully bring all these kids together you know, one of you all both know I'm a huge Westmore fan. And Westmore is also a Calvert parent. He has uh, two young children here. And he is the author of The Other Westmore and the work. And I think to me, his most powerful quote uh, that I love is like, we're not products of our environment. We're products of our expectations. And that idea of we're products of our expectations transcends any school. And we found that out when we hosted our opening summit in November, we asked the kids you know, anonymously to share on sticky notes and place around the room, what are their lists of hopes and fears? And when you walked around the room amongst these hundreds of responses from almost 200 students, you could not tell where that student went to school. Is that a student from Gilman? Is that a, school, a student from Baltimore Southwest Charter? And, and that poster is in my, one of those posters is in my office and I walk by it every day and it just reminds me of like how, how, how cool this work is. Um, okay, I want the other poster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there is a great poster though um, that says like, what are your goals? And it's like to be a comedian, to be a neuroscientist and to visit Mars. That's one kid? That's one response. <laughs> <laughs> Which you know reminds us that like dreams can't be limited, Blake. Why no, I, can't someone be all three of them? You can. You absolutely can. I'm I'm not one to shut anyone down. <laughs> so you know what what I'm I, I I'm coming across as pretty serious, and at times I am serious. But both of you know I am a middle schooler at heart. So what I'm constantly reminded of is what is going to keep kids engaged, and. Um, and that has been something that, that has driven this work. And uh, there's been a challenge to that, of course. Like, it's enough of a challenge to build leadership programming in one school, let alone in two schools working collaboratively, but in a network of uh, 18 schools that are involved with MGP, that has been a really cool uh, challenge. All right, so Jay, give, give or Wendy, give me, um some more like data points about 
who is participating? How is the curriculum developed? What has happened over the course of the year? What do you hope the outcomes to be? Um, for somebody who has absolutely no idea what you all are doing, just lay it out for them so that they understand what your, try, what your endeavor is. Well, why don't I give a little background information and Jay, then I'll turn it over to you. Okay, great. Um, so in our entire summer program, we have for the past few years, um, over 500 students from public and private schools working side by side. Um, both during the summer and during the school year. During the school year, the numbers are less, um, I think for two reasons. One, it's a little, it's a lot harder to schedule because of after school and transportation and all kinds of other commitments. And I think also because this program is fairly new and um, I think as it builds and word of mouth happens amongst the students, this will become more of a priority. Um, a little history is that after we spent a few years trying to help our directors develop what a school year program could be, it became clear that the demands on their time were just too much. And unless this was really a passion of theirs, um, this, the quality was not going to be what, what we had hoped it would be, or even the intensity was not going to be what we hoped it would be. So um, I pulled together a task force of directors and together we decided to farm out the school year program. So the directors would still do the organizing and the administrative work, but the content would be delivered by another group. So last year, uh, which was the first year we tried this, we contracted with Center Stage of, which is the State Theater of Maryland, they are an amazing friend of ours. They did a whole storytelling curriculum with teaching artists from Center Stage, and we had a big event at the storytelling event, and a whole day at Center Stage where kids did workshops and StoryCorps booths and things like that. And, um, and we were going to be doing, uh, we had someone else lined up for this year, and last minute that fell through, and I started looking around for other opportunities that would be meaningful to our students. And, um, and the Institute for Leadership and Purpose, Jay, came to me and said, I think we can do this. I think we can really fit into what your goals and ethics are around bringing students together in meaningful ways. And they, you know, they were not the only group that sent in a proposal, but um, but they got, you know, it, it, he was right. This seemed like exactly a perfect fit for us. Jay, you can take it from there. <laughs> so I think we spent, we were really honored to have this opportunity to work with MGP. Um, and my partner in this is Neil McMahon, who is our eighth grade Dean of Students and has been our MGP site director for many years. And Neil and his predecessor, Molly Williams, were both uh, key in putting the Calvert and Hamilton Middle School, which is our partner school, bringing that partnership to 50-50 in terms of students in the summer program. So it's, it's very much a partnership for us with our summer program. Can I and just clarify, by 50-50, Jay means it is half public school kids and half independent school kids. Right, that's, that's fantastic. 
Exactly. Yeah. Sorry. Exactly. And, and our kids loved being a part of this. And, you know, we, so Neil and I spent a lot of time in the fall getting feedback from site directors about, about what their goals would be and what was realistic for our first year in this program. And that, that was key as, you know, leadership is about listening to people and get other people's input. And we learned a lot in that process. And what came out of that was it wasn't necessarily about coming up with a product at the end of this year's program. It was really building relationships um, and demystifying the idea of leadership, which sometimes I underestimate because I do it constantly here at Calvert. But a lot of people see, still see leadership as binary, like I'm born a leader or I'm not born a leader, which is a wrong, you know, which is a faulty premise. I think we would all agree. Um, and so we really started that place where it's about relationships and it's about believing in yourself and demystifying the idea of, of leadership, especially when it comes to kids having um, an opportunity to be their, be advocates. I mean, the kids, I know the students at Calvert, the Parkland shootings a year ago, like really jump-started that whole conversation amongst our seventh and eighth graders. Like we're seeing kids on TV taking action. Like, like we believe in ourselves to do something as well. And I think kids across Baltimore, kids across the country saw that as well. So at our, our fall event, our opening summit was in November, right before Thanksgiving with almost 200 kids from the schools present. And they heard from a number of Baltimore city leaders, participated in team building games and also discussions about like, what, what are issues in Baltimore they really care about? We brought in um, our partners from an organization called Build, which is Baltimoreans United in Leadership Development, which is a group of community uh, organizers who are doing incredible work all over Baltimore. The real work that um, knocking on doors and making a difference and the conversations that came out of that from each partnership jump-started um, a deeper dive throughout the year. So each of the nine partnerships has met twice in the past few months to again come back to that idea of like, well, what is it that we wanna be more involved with? What do we care about in our neighborhoods? And the topics that have emerged are very, very impressive. We have our Boys Latin, Garrison Forest and City Springs group. City Springs is in a neighborhood next to Johns Hopkins Hospital that is going through a massive redevelopment. And so the uh, affordable housing there has been there for decades, Perkins Homes. That neighborhood's being uh, torn down in some respects and changed drastically. The demographics are gonna be affected by this growth. And so the students in this partnership are documenting the history and interviewing residents in that neighborhood. And they've already, they're, they're ahead of some of the other groups and they made a 10 minute video that we're gonna see at the summit tomorrow about the beginnings of this, of this research. Uh, our group, we have such a big group with our partner Hamilton that they, um, we have a parent who is uh, an associate athletic director at Towson University and leads their leadership and service programs and Towson recently won the national championship in service. It's called the Teamworks Championship in the NCAA. So it's a school that is committed to this work as well. And uh, so they, they, their basketball teams are heavily involved with autism awareness. So we have a group of students working with Towson um, on autism awareness. We have another group of students working with Baltimore Ceasefire, which is an organization that 
evolved out of um, the Freddie Gray incident a few years ago. And that Baltimore ceasefire is also the topic of uh, Roland Park Country School and Lily May Carol Jackson Schools partnership. So you can see that the topics the groups have honed in on are very diverse, but all extremely important. And where we are right now is tomorrow, the groups are gonna present out on who they heard from, what they learned, why this topic is important to them. And then they're gonna have an opportunity throughout the day to plan ahead to next year. Like how are we really gonna get involved and educate and raise awareness and make an impact? So is this sixth, seventh and eighth graders? Um because you're talking about next year. So will it be the same group of kids working together next year as well? Is that the intent? Well, that's actually one of the questions. You know, the kids have worked together. Yes, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. They've, from both schools and each partnership across all of our partnerships. So the question, one of the questions is, how do we onboard new students mm -hmm. and say goodbye and in a meaningful way to our rising eighth grader or rising ninth graders. Um, and I think a number of the partnerships are finding this work so meaningful that they want to continue this work as a class or as an option throughout their summer programming as well. Um, maybe one thing I didn't mention is that while we do have these academic goals for our students in the summer. They also get lots of enrichment, art, outdoor, field trips, all sorts of things. So there is time during the summer program if they want to continue to work on these issues. So, you know, it may be that this becomes a seamless year-round theme that, that continues. It's sort of still in the to-be-decided so, we're going to make that work. So the children participating in this are, it's limited to are enrolled in MGP programs in the summer. There's no children that in this leadership summit that are not MGP kids. There probably are, but we, our hope is that they will become MGP. Right. So this, you know, it's, do we recruit them for the summer or do we recruit them, you know, do we recruit them for the summer and keep them through the school year, or do we recruit oh, them yeah. during the school year and keep them for the summer? It's sort of. And no one wants to turn down a kid who wants to participate in a leadership <laughs> summit, right? Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. It's not. a good indicator that they want to they want to participate in the first place. Well, um, and your questions like hit the nail on the head, Blake. I mean, this is something that that uh, Wendy and and her team and Neil and myself like are constantly coming back to is like, how does this evolve? How can we make a bigger impact? How do we onboard new sixth graders into this program in the fall and build a track for them? How do we honor the kids that are graduating? Um, all beautiful ambient parts of this work, um, but also definitely challenging too, because, because the reality is you're dealing with different school cultures, you're dealing with, um, with time, so it's a, it's a balance that we're hoping to reach. And, and you know, what I'm grateful for is A, the, being able to work with, with Wendy on that. And B, like it's a huge um, testament to where Calvert is that they're dedicating a significant portion of my time 
right. and, and Neil's time to making this something that is meaningful to us because we want to do this right um, for our own students and for all these other students. Well, it is. It's a testament. I mean, you, you talk about put your money where your mouth is, right? Resources. Um, this is obviously a commitment and um, in, an impactful one that's much greater than just the students that go to Calvert. Right. Yeah, we're, and we're and we're in. I mean, we're in a really fortunate place where you know independent schools, um, you know, cost a lot of money, and um, it's a big decision for people in Baltimore. There's a lot of independent schools. Yeah. Just in North Baltimore, where we are, there are six big independent schools. It's um, thousands of students who go to these schools, and um, you know, Calvert is a K eight, but we're not a small K eight. We're like one of the like the third biggest K-8 in, in the country with all over 600. So, um, you know, we, I did not understand this term public purpose until you introduced it to me a year ago. And the idea that a school, a strong independent school needs to make an impact outside of their walls. Right. And um, that's really where we are as we're honoring that idea of public purpose. And it's, uh, it's a big commitment for middle grades partnership too. This does not come free to us. We're fundraising for it um, all the time. This is, you know, deciding to expand into school year and develop leadership is, you know, is, a, has, is becoming a, a bigger and integrated part of what we do, but it doesn't, it, you know, Calvert is very generous it still doesn't come for free. No, but Wendy, do you find that expanding these programs um, makes it, and making them more 50-50 participation, makes it easier to raise money for this, or is it more difficult, or? Um, it is, as of right now, so we're in the middle of strategic planning. Right. Maybe two thirds of the way through. So I think there are two aspects of it. We do not charge for our private school kids. We don't charge for any of our kids to attend in the summer or during the school year. Making the case of why people should donate their money for private school kids to attend for free is a tough one and right. we struggle with it. Some of our heads of school say, we're not gonna participate if you charge our kids. Other heads of school say, why aren't you charging our families? This doesn't make any sense. Um, it's, it is something that we're, you know, that we've been struggling with for years, you know, and we all know that not every family who goes to an independent school is independently wealthy. Right. So what is that what does that mean? Could would we be keeping some families from participating if we charged? Although I'll tell you right now, middle grades partnership would never turn anyone away. And we'd never look at anybody's, you know, tax returns or find out what their financial aid status was. But it's something we're truly struggling with how to address. So I think that and that part of it's hard and creating a culture where independent school families, we do reach out to them uh, for donations, but it's, um, it has not been an overwhelmingly successful approach. Creating a culture where they feel like 
yes, it's the right thing to do to, to my students participating to make some contributions happened yet. Um, but as part of our strategic planning, it sort of almost goes back to, to some of your first questions. My board has been wonderful in supporting me in the, my push to move from our, our sole goal to get students, public school students, into the top academic public high schools to the broader one of breaking down silos of race, class, and opportunity in Baltimore and bringing students together. We will um, stay tuned. We are going to be. We will have a new mission statement, a new vision statement that reflects this change. So now that we are more firmly embedded in this, when people see. You know, Baltimore has a lot of problems, and when you see the power of public and private schools coming together to serve all kids together, when you see the outcomes where across the city, 19% of kids get into these top academic high schools, MGP kids, although they're kids in the middle, we've had between 81 and 88 and 91% of our kids getting into these high schools knowing that entrance to these high schools can totally change a student's path, transform it. Um, and the power, I mean, what Jay was saying, here are all these sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, hundreds of them from completely different backgrounds, identifying issues in our city that they care about and that they want to be leaders and help changing is really powerful. And that is ringing true with people and seems to be something they want to support. So it's a little bit of a, of a mixed bag, but we think it's going in the right direction. So that leads me to um, a question of where do you see this in five years or 10 years? And I'll start, I'll start with Jay. What are you, what are you thinking? Um, dream big. Don't worry. Don't worry about raising Don't. money. Uh, I can, <laughs> I'm, I'm dipping my toe into that as well. Yeah, I think the, um, I think what's so powerful about, about what we're doing in Baltimore and the idea of the impact it could make is that Baltimore, <laughs> on one hand, people know Baltimore for Under Armour and for McCormick Spices and for the Ravens and the Orioles and the Inner Harbor and the national anthem was written here in the War of 1812. Don't forget Phillips. <laughs> and Phillips Seafood, yeah, all of that. But it's also known for, you know, when I'm, when I'm somewhere, people, the first reference they make is to The Wire. Yeah, always. And, um, you know, The Wire depicts a, a Baltimore that um, in some ways is real. And uh, we are a rust belt city, but one with a lot of pride. And but the, the issues are obvious. I mean, you can see it right now. Our mayor's house was raided yesterday because of um, leadership that, that I don't think our students would look up to and, and feel good about. Like, what is so, so leadership issues exist in the city like they exist everywhere. So how can we work together to uh, change the narrative of Baltimore 
is a phrase that I hear often from the speakers who speak to our students or speak at events around leadership in this city. And so where, where this work is going is what if, what if all of the independent schools were working together to make a bigger impact? I think that's the, that's the real vision. If all of us saw public purpose as something that we believe in, and what would this mean if we were doing it? Not just a little bit together, but a lot together. So that's probably the, the dream, Blake. And, and I think what Wendy, we have all talked about this before, but, but some of the challenges Wendy was speaking about with Middle Grades Partnership is why there's not really a program in the country that brings together a network of schools like middle grades partnership. Like it's not easy work and it's not easy work in Baltimore and it's not easy work anywhere. Um, and, and the, the thread it's going back to where I see it. The thread to me is, is the idea of purpose, which um, obviously is in the title of our Institute. We chose that very thoughtfully and purpose is something right now, as I've learned from, um, the World Leadership School and Ross Wenner, and I first heard at your conference a year ago, is, is research that's coming out of Stanford about what does youth purpose look like? Can it be measured? And how does youth purpose, if inspired and cultivated in kids, how does that lead to healthier lives and more confidence and all of those beautiful elements of leadership? And so our goal is really to identify how we can instill purpose meaningfully to our students and other students and build a program over the next few years that that honors that. That's great. What about you, Wendy? Um, I would love to see leadership and purpose and students learning about issues academically sharing with their guts and finding efficacious ways to address them across sectors throughout Baltimore. I'd like to see students and families banging down our doors to be part of this. Um, and I'd really like to be a national model. Um, I'd like to see it continue into high school, and we do have some new forays into high school. Um, I'd like to see it become a seamless part of who we are so that academics and leadership and um, increased opportunity, breaking down these silos in Baltimore goes hand in hand with the great academic work we're doing and that people look at us and say, wow, look at what these kids are able to accomplish. Um, and if, I feel like if we can find the right structure um, and we have enough money um, and support more broadly than money that we can make this happen. Um, if I can, if I can add my goals for you all, um, anybody who knows me knows I'm from Baltimore. So this is really, um, it's like, I, I love MGP and the work that you all are doing. I think it's phenomenal. I've had many conversations about how I wish we could replicate this in other parts of the country. I love middle schoolers. I was a middle school teacher prior to this. Um, but I think that the, the, the hard part about this is that you don't get to see the effects of this work for your students 
immediately, or even for Baltimore immediately. It's going to be 10 years or 15 years from now where these graduates from your leadership program and from MGP are young leaders in Baltimore and figuring out how they are merging whatever their career path and whatever their desire for their community is together and become true leaders to make Baltimore a better city. That, they, that they're back home doing whatever they have studied to do and found their purpose and connected that to the community somehow. Um, so however we track that, I hope that in 15 years, the speaker at the 15th anniversary Youth Leadership Summit is a graduate of the program and is talking about all the work they're doing um, simultaneously to help, if not their immediate community, a community, and how they figured out how to live their life with some sense of purpose and um, and they can they can look reflect back to their experience of this as sort of their um, their entryway to the work. But you're not going to see that next year. I mean, that's sort of one of the, you know, bringing back to the very beginning of the conversation, you know, I'm a painting conservator. We work with teeny tiny brushes and eye surgeons scalpels and, you know, and people say to me all the time, well, oh my gosh, that takes such patience. I could never do that. The truth is that that doesn't take patience because you mend a tear and it's mended and you retouch an area of paint loss and it's done and you know you lay down some flaking paint and it's adhered the real patience comes in doing this work you're absolutely right where you are trying to monitor it monitor it you're learning from your successes and your mistakes and you won't know for 15 years that's right that's where the real patience comes in well, we're not going to wait 15 years to check back in. I promise. <laughs> um, so, all right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of the time and that I can't hold you here captive forever. So tell me what is the most surprising lesson you've learned in this process of developing this um, Youth Leadership Summit and how, in, in thinking how you could help somebody who might be considering doing this at, in their community? I think it's honoring the idea of public purpose. I think that concept is, is wonderful. And uh, anywhere you are in the country, the best way to teach leadership and inspire leadership in young people is connecting them with the community around them and with the leaders in that community who are making a difference who saw something that needed to be uh, addressed and stepped up. And I think when you uh, ground this work in the local community, it, it's, it's just more meaningful, it's more authentic. And there's also the idea of leadership is so uh, nebulous at times, as we all know, but it, it also is very simple too. It's about believing in students and caring about them. That's really what it's about. And, and beautiful things emerge when you do that. But it's setting aside time and being intentional about making it a priority, which is, is not easy. It's easy to put leadership in a mission statement, but practice and putting it somewhere as a noun. But I think we all know that, that we're really talking about leadership as a verb. Like 
how do I learn how to lead? And leading is being present and leading is being positive and leading is being resilient and leading is being your best self. And you mentioned earlier um, something, and I don't know exactly what the context was, but it was basically like to model leadership, you were listening. And I think that's such a component that um, is, is often uh, forgotten about leadership is that quiet is also very powerful listening. And then it makes me think about um, like leadership development is also hitting kids with their strengths that not every leader looks the same, right? Mm -hmm. A leader isn't always loud and it is always the first person in line, right? So um, that there's, I, I love that Jay, you talked about your own experience that you didn't, um, you didn't necessarily feel like you were tapped with leadership potential as a, as a kid and that, that you feel like you were, you were, they missed out, right? That they didn't see your potential, um, but that you are now seeing in every kid, there's leadership potential in every kid. It's just how you see it, right? What, what it, where it is and how can you cultivate it? Well, and as educators, like you said, 15 years like I remember the past 15 years of my life, the past 20 years of my life, um, pretty vividly actually. And the things that stick out to me are those three to six moments when an adult or, or a peer said something just so impactful to me. Yeah. And in many ways it was, it was about expectations, you know, and it goes back to that quote from Wes Moore. Like, it's, it's not about your environment. I thought I was going to be given things because of the independent school that I went to. And, and in some ways, that was true. But, but those words people said to me, the expectations, um, always resonate with me. I had a, um, when I was a junior in high school, I had a history teacher, Mr. Suter, who was amazing. And he said to me once, Jay, you are a rogue intellectual. <laughs> and I still, to this day, have no idea what that means. But it's like my favorite thing anyone has ever said to me. <laughs> and you hold on to it. Because I am an intellectual in my own rogue way. You, are, you, you have your own path. I have my own path. So, Wendy, yeah. how about you? What is the um, surprising lesson learned? Um, I am continually surprised about the resilience of our students, um, both from public and private school. Maybe I'm thinking even more about our public school kids who can come from, you know, such difficult circumstances. I think, let me revise that. I, you know what I'm really surprised about every day? that we have the program is that these kids, the public school kids go onto the private school campuses and people ask me all the time, you know, they go to schools that aren't air conditioned where they can't drink from the water fountains, where they have really old textbooks, where um, this, you know, the bathrooms are disgusting. There's no heat in the winter. You know, aren't they resentful when they go onto these private school campuses? And I can't really explain it, but they're not. They're made to feel welcome. They're made to feel like they deserve this, that this is natural. Um, 
and then they get to know their peers from the other school, and this goes both ways. The friendships happen so quickly that it's remarkable. I think there are some common things that all middle schoolers are dealing with and some common hopes and aspirations. They have fun together. Um, and they have an optimism about, sometimes a very clear-eyed optimism, it's not all rosy, but a real optimism about what effect they can have on the world and on Baltimore. And um, I find it surprising and delightful and inspiring. And I hope that as they grow up, they all see that all the students of Baltimore are our students. They're all our kids. We should want the same things for them. We should give them the same resources and we should have the same hopes and fears for them that we would have for our own children. Right, because Baltimore will be better if we have a new generation of adults that are all comfortable being with one another. Exactly. Exactly. All right, I'm going to um, let you both go. So um, thank you so much. I promise not to wait 15 years to follow up, um, probably just a couple of weeks. Uh, and I, I, you know I will see both of you soon. So um, thank you both so, so much for sharing this story. We are all in, watching with great anticipation the success of this Youth Leadership Summit and then um, the growth of MGP and the Institute of Leadership and Purpose, leadership, for Leadership and Purpose, sorry, Jay. Um, so thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your story. If anybody wants to reach out to either Wendy or Jay, their contact information will be on our website. And as always, you can email me directly and I will put you in contact with them, especially if you're a major donor. I'm sure Wendy would love to speak with you. Um, and so uh, we will get you all connected. So thank you both for being here. I um, look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Blake. Thank you so much, Blake. Have a great day. You too. That's it for today. Thanks again to Wendy and Jay for a great discussion. If you're interested in sharing your story on our podcast, please reach out. And in the meantime, don't forget, partnerships work. <laughs>